All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are sitting down with the one and only. You know him on Twitter as Tic Tac to Omar. And I don't know if I could say your real name. It's like almost like a superhero thing now. <laughs> you know, if you don't know the original name, you can't really come out and be like, hey, this is, you want to keep it that hidden, the mystique, you know, the mysteriousness. So if you want to introduce yourself as yourself, that's fine. But if you want to keep it as the uh, superhero Tic Tac to Omar, I'm in for that too. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. You told me earlier that I was uh, your first uh, Zoom uh, Zoom recording uh, guest on the on the, um, on the offside uh, podcast. So that that's great. Um, as far I don't know, I, I usually just you know have people refer to me as Omar, but you know I've seen Tomar kind of come up a couple times, and you know, and actually with my be a pro in uh, NHL twenty one, actually uh, the name on the back is Tomar. So I guess it's kind of starting to stick. But uh, yeah, I definitely have a whole uh, Peter Parker. Uh, vibe to uh, to my my uh, Twitter persona. So, um, but yeah, it's great, great to be back on. It's been it's been a while since you and I have talked, so um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, for sure. Well, there's lots to get to. Obviously, we've had the bubble, we've had the season canceled, we've had this, that, the mm-hmm. other stuff, and now more things coming out. But I want to jump out right in the beginning of this with you and ask you. You know, we look up and we see the NHL, we see everything going on with the climate. You know, with the a looming sort of lockout sort of feel. They don't want to call it that, but it looks like that's where it's heading. I want to know from you, Omar, what do you feel? Do you think there's going to be hockey come January, February, or are you starting to get like I am a gut feeling? This isn't going to happen. I mean, I definitely think that there is going to be hockey as frustrating as this whole thing is. And it definitely is very frustrating because, you know, to your point, it does really give off a very like lockouty type of vibe. And it sucks because, you know, at the beginning when they were, when they got that initial return to play um, going on in July and August, and, you know, they got, they got their CBA um, signed up. We're like, okay, sweet. Then we killed two birds with one stone. We're getting hockey back and we have a CBA and, you know, there's a, there's a little nugget there that um, we can have Olympic participation. So, you know, this whole downing financial business corporate stuff would be just long gone because we don't have to deal with it. And now we're sitting here, we're watching, you know, the NBA, they're about to start, start training clam camps, I want to say, next week. The, ML, the MLB, they have, um, they have their things going on. I believe soccer is still playing. And we're sitting here, like, waiting for the NHL to announce what, a date, what the start date is. You know, they said, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're targeting January 1st. But as the weeks have gone by, it just looks less and less likely. And now the, the frustrating thing is now it just seems like it's kind of turning into a PR battle a little bit. You know, we have a first – we have, you know, people like Pierre Lebrun and Bob McKenzie – and uh, Chris Johnson today, you know, sending us via Twitter all these like nuggets and conversations that was happening with Gary Bettman and the ownership and the NHLPA and Donald Fair, you know, about how they're committed to a January 1st start, which is great. But then we also hear information from um, a Brian Burke radio hit that, you know, the players don't want to start until after the holidays because they want to spend time with their family. So if that's the case and Gary Bettman knew that the whole time, then he's been kind of playing with us because there's no way to start the season January 1st if the players don't want to play with Christmas. So we're getting played with. And now there's this whole back and forth of, you know, they signed the CBA, but, you know, but they want the players to give a little more so it can work out for ownership. And so, you know, escrow doesn't have to go crazy or so the, the cap doesn't have to stay flat. And, you know, it's weird because the players literally sat down and agreed to this, the collective bargaining agreement. And now they want to, they appear, they want to change it. But now Bettman's saying it's not a renegotiation. They just want to change it. But, you know, that kind of sounds like renegotiating to me. Yeah. Maybe they're giving them a list of demands. And it's like, no, it's not a negotiation. Just, just what it is. Take it or leave it. 
So it's, it's really frustrating, but I do think that hockey is going to be played just because if this is all about making money, no one's making money if there's no hockey being played. Right. Um, now there's probably going to be um, a fire lit under the, under them in some, in some instance, because, you know, they want to have a decent amount of games, whether it's 48 or 60, but still end um, before the summer Olympics in Tokyo take place. Right. So they kind of have a bit of a, a bit of a timeline um, if they want to play a decent and a decent amount of games, whether it's 48 or whether it's 60, obviously the more games, the better for both the players and ownership as far as revenue goes. So, um, I definitely think hockey is going to come at some point, but it's definitely getting a little exhausting at this point. Well, I'm going to say it like this. I want to take you back to uh, the Brennan Gallagher negotiations with the Montreal Canadiens. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tie this all together in just a moment. But when Mark Bergevin came out and said he wanted to make Brennan Gallagher the highest paid Montreal Canadian, that put the ball and the onus in Brennan Gallagher's court. And with Mark Bergevin saying those things, it put him in the court of public opinion Mm-hmm. in the best, you know, best light. Because now he said, hey, I want this guy to be here. I want this guy to be our highest paid player, et cetera, et cetera. So it painted Mark Bergevin as this guy that's, hey, I want to get this done, but Brendan Gallagher doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what Gary Bettman just did with the January 1st thing. Absolutely. Hey, we want to come back for January 1st. We, we want to play hockey on January 1st, but the players want to have Christmas. The players want to delay things so you know here at the nhl we're saying we want to come back but the players don't you know don't play us the owners or gary bettman don't play us we said january 1st and they're changing the uh, the date of the start so it's not on us guys you know and he's trying to paint himself into that corner much like mark bergevin did you know hey i'm the good guy i want to make him the highest paid guy and same with gary bettman hey guys i want hockey back on january 1st but the players they don't want to come back until later so i don't know what to tell you you know now he's put himself in the court of public opinion and we all know Gary Bettman so he may not skate like Mark Bergevin did but Mm -hmm. he's trying to use that as ammunition to say hey I said January 1st I put it out there for that we did this is what we wanted but the players wanted something different and now you're right this is a renegotiation I don't care what frame he's trying to put it under you know, you want something different. You want to change what you've signed on for. For me, that is a renegotiation. That is something that you need to give and a take. And now the players are like, whoa, 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 we've given enough. We've done enough. We signed the deal. Now you don't like it. Now something's changed and you want to change it again. Now, do I think there will be common ground? I saw what Justin Bourne said. You know, we'll draw that line in the sand and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I wish they would just skip this part. Because for us right now, where we haven't had hockey, where we haven't had anything, you want to get beyond this. Because really, I don't know about you, Omar, but I'm tired of waiting for things. 2020 has been a whole lot of hurry up and wait. Wait for restrictions to lift. Wait for to be able to go back out. Wait for things to change. Oh, wait, now there's a vaccine. Well, wait till it gets here. It's all Mm -hmm. wait, wait, wait. This is one thing where we, we love sports and we need sports. And right now, the opportunity is there for it to be there. But it's billionaires fighting with millionaires and us fans dead smack in the middle. Some of us not working because obviously the way the economy has gone in the pandemic, looking at these billionaires and millionaires and basically saying, shut the hell up and get back on the ice. 
Yeah, I've never looked so forward to the World Juniors in like the, long, the longest time. <laughs> that Just might be the benefactor, like, eh? Honestly, that's because I'm like, I'm like, I want it, like, please make it safe, please make it safe, but please play, but please play. Yeah, I'm literally seriously. counting down the dates. I'm like, yes, Christmas, okay, play, awesome, sweet. And then also, it helps that there are a lot of these prospects there. But just like the fact that it's just hockey, like you know, it, it's so it's so good to like to have to have hockey. But obviously, there's the caveats of making sure that you know the players are playing safe. But yeah, like all of this, all of this business stuff, it just it just sucks. And like it, it's one thing for like you know fans like you know, like you you and you and myself who are you know who are who don't just you know casually watch or like invest in you know who like will search up cap hits and all, and all that type of stuff like the next level fan but just the casual fan who just like just wants to turn the tv on and watch so they like i don't know how this does anything for bringing in new fans now granted that granted they may that may not be the the mindset or the focus right now because you we're not like there's no games being played so like we can't focus on bringing in new fans if there are no games being played but at the same time it's like this is just exhausting it's so exhausting. And it's the same thing with hockey. There's always some f- stupid financial fight between the players and the ownership. Like three, like so many lockouts, like it's insane. And then we're only now getting Olympic participation. Like it's, it's, it's so exhausting. Like just, just, you know what, just as every frustrated centerman says to a ref, just drop the freaking puck and let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the other thing too. You just touched on the Olympics. That's not a slam dunk. They said they would look into it. Yeah, they never yeah. they never confirmed it. Like that wasn't confirmed. Yeah, we are going to the Olympics. It was we will look into the possibility of. So I mean, it was a carrot dangled, but it doesn't look like it was a carrot that was actually given. Like here, munch on this. It was uh, hey, it's still over here. We still have to figure out if it's safe enough for you to eat because we need to make money. And if we're not getting money from fans or this, that, and the other way, you may not be able to go and. I, I don't think they're going. To be honest with you, I'll sit right here right now and say I don't think the NHL players will get to play in the Olympics unless that is the firm carrot the NHL offers now for them to say, hey, you know, give us a little bit more and we will guarantee you the Olympics. But there's been no guarantee on that. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know at this point if a guarantee to the Olympics is something that's going to get these players to budge off of this because a lot of them already said, hey, we have signed this deal. This is what is in place. You wanted us to do this deferral. You wanted us to do this escrow caps. We did all this different stuff for you to get back on the ice. And if you knew, you know, you look at the pandemic and everybody's like, oh, well, you can't tell what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. No, 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 no. You can't plan for this stuff. Well, you should have had enough foresight to understand that you were not going to be able to have fans in your arenas, close proximity, you should have planned for this and negotiated differently, but everybody wanted to get back on the ice. And here's the thing. The owners were so greedy at that point. Gary Bettman was so greedy at that point. They needed that TV revenue money to finish off that season, to get into that bubble, to do all that different stuff, to get the rest of that cash that they said yes and greenlit everything. What yeah. have you ever seen in NHL negotiation for anything involving a whatever a collective bargaining agreement that takes that little time that was done so quietly and so quickly it doesn't happen not in the nhl definitely yeah they were they were chomping at the bits to get something done just just so they can get the players back on the ice for sure and the thing that sucks sucks too and i guess going to your point about olympic participation right is that the big caveat about olympic participation was that you know, um, the league was expected to pay for things for pay, to pay for the players to participate. And now that we're seeing all these 
all all this money hoopla going up, I wouldn't be surprised to your point again that if you know down the line once the Winter Olympics start coming up, if they you know they talk to um they talk to the uh, the IOC again and say hey yeah sure we'll send the players but you got to pay for it and if you're not paying for it they're not going to go because well the WIHF did or yeah. the IOC did say that they would pay and they yeah, would cover so, the insurance so they they've already stated they would do that and that was mm-hmm. before the last Olympics so that mm-hmm. is already on the table so the NHL can't use that bargaining card now. Yeah, yeah, it might just be at that point. It might just be like a strong army, a strong arm move. If they say that, hey, you can't go, you know, it's like, hey, you know what, you guys were like, we'll we'll budge on this, but we'll remember this down the line. After then, that down that down the line will be whether they allow the players to go play in the Olympics, which is unfortunate, right? Because like we're we're in such an era of of high octane skill, oh, like imagining like imagining like a U.S. versus Canada gold medal game. With the players oh, that we're seeing in the versus league, Matthews. oh, Eichel, Eichel, like like all of the all these strong American players, and then McDavid, Crosby on the same team, Mark Stone, like you just you name it, like it would be an incredible game, right? And even seeing you know even Sweden and Finland, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of strong strong players on from those countries as well. So it just sucks. Like it feels like we're just being cheated. <laughs> we're just being straight up cheated out of seeing these things. Like, we're being wow. cheated out of everything, man. We're being yeah. cheated out of a, a regular season that uh, could be going on very shortly, but unfortunately they're bickering, being cheated out of Olympics. I, I'd love to see Matthews versus McDavid, mm-hmm. Marner versus the Chuchucks. You you name it. There's all kinds of different matchups. You see Jack Eichel on that stage, you know, thriving with the team, not, you know, dwindling his career down in Buffalo, you know, out there with Shots Team America. Fired. <laughs> oh man, well come on. It's not I'm sorry, Buffalo fans. Uh, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck because you need it, but you guys aren't doing anything with a, a franchise player like Jack Eichel and but they you can got, see it's wearing but, on him, man. But they got Taylor Hall though. Oh man, come on. You know you know as well as I do, Taylor Hall signed on A for the payday and B for the fact that when Buffalo's at the basement, they will trade him to a contender. That yeah. is what's going on. <laughs> Everybody knows that and next season. But here's something that, that really perked my ears up today on Hockey Central. And by the way, shout out to News 95.7 out here on the East Coast. It has been six long years, my friend, that we have not had Hockey Central at noon on the lunch break out here on the East Coast. And we finally got it back. Right on. Story to Sheldon McLeod, who had lost his afternoon show because of the cuts. But I'm very happy to have the hockey show back. But again, Sheldon, if you're listening, I know you're out here. I know you're looking at all the podcasts in the East. My friend, I'm sorry things happened that way, but I did miss Hockey Central at noon. But Brian Burke today said he sees the cap being flat for seven years. Well, yeah, that's the air out of the balloon I had too. (laughs) That's 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 gonna put a lot of teams in trouble. That's a a gut punch, man. Yeah, that's a gut punch. Like if, there were, he, if there's ever if there's ever a time for the NHL to put in a luxury tax tax for going over the cap, this would be a lovely time because like if you look I at like if you look at a GM like you look at a GM like Kyle Dubas, who is a you know as we can we can talk about it until we turn blue in the face about his negotiation tactics with Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. Either way, he was coming from a position of predicting that the cap would go up, yeah, and. It being flat for that long is tough. There's and not I think a GM in the league that didn't think the cap was going to go up. Oh, yeah. It'd be higher than it was. And there's nobody in the league that thought that. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you think of teams who are who may not have problems now, but maybe a couple a couple years down the line, who need to sign sign some players might might start running into issues, right? Like, well, like one team I think of. Actually, I don't know how their well, how their expiry dates on go, but like Colorado is a team that has a lot of like sweet contracts. And eventually, you know, if we think Colorado is going to be the team that we think we're going to, they're going to be, to be honest, I had them winning the cup last, um, uh, this past season, but like, they're definitely going down that trajectory. And if it takes, you know, through four years instead of two, by that time, you're going to have a lot of key players. You're going to need need to get paid, right? You know, Nathan McKinnon is not going to be, not going to be making 6.3 for uh, forever. Right. So yeah, it puts a lot of, a lot of GMs, a lot of teams in a tight spot for sure. No, it definitely does. And you know what? You look at Colorado, they position themselves well, too. They do have a lot of cap space. you got a guy like Gabe Landeskog coming up. Um, I think Rantanen signed for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max going to come up, obviously. But you got Kadri for a couple more years. Yeah, they'll need to get paid. But hopefully, maybe there's a little wiggle room. But when I heard seven years of a stale cap, I'm just thinking, wow. Yeah. You know, Kyle Dubas will be hard done by to figure out this roster. But at the same time, every team will be in the same predicament. And I think it'll reset cap value for players as well. I think you'll see contracts come back down because that's the way it's going to have to be. You're not going to yeah. be able to to hit those home runs. So the guys who got the deals now enjoy it. And the guys that were betting on themselves to get those type of deals. Like I look at Tampa, man, Tampa bridges, everybody. Mm-hmm. They just bridge Sergachev. And you think if the cap is flat for seven years, Sergachev bet on himself. Do you think he's going to get much more than five to six mil? I don't think so. He's at 4.8 now. They're not going to move him up too much up the ladder. There's way mm. too much talent on that squad to do that. So you're right. Teams will probably have to adjust. The players will have to adjust as well. But, you know, see, this is what I mean. There's no hockey, and all we're doing now is surmising about money. Even <laughs> exactly. us. Even us. But uh, yeah. you know what? Let's, let's shift the focus a little bit. Let's move it to what is the on-ice product, mm-hmm. hopefully, for the Maple Leafs this season. I want to get your instant reaction. When you heard – the Leafs had signed TJ Brody, mm. Wayne Simmons, mm. Joe Thornton, mm. uh, Zach Bogosian, mm. Jimmy VC, and the mm. list goes on and on and on. You know, and the goaltending situation too. I'll say Aaron Dell and Michael Hutchinson, they got some depth as well. Something they uh, were like, oh, well, maybe we need more than just two guys. Yeah. Maybe we need more than just <laughs> one guy. Hi, Jack Campbell. Nice to meet you. But Aaron mm-hmm. Dell is not a bad replacement either. But what were your thoughts on that initial group? You know, the Leafs needed size. They needed playoff toughness. They needed experience. But – and I want to preference this by saying Kyle Dubas saying that the Leafs needed to uh, – you know, needed that experience and that was something maybe he didn't think they needed to do. That really kind of bothered me mm-hmm. to see that comment because you know that a team with young players like the Leafs need that leadership. And I've long said on this show – bringing in a guy like Patty Marlowe, but only for two years, bringing in a guy like Spezza, bringing in a guy like Ron Hainsey, but not having them on a longer-term ticket. There's mm-hmm. nobody here veteran-wise to steer this ship. And you're asking John Tavares, who was a, a veteran leader on the island, but had other players around him to work in that group, you know, to come over to Toronto with all these young guys, you know, the GQ shoots, the video games, the different mm-hmm. way they do things in Toronto – and try to steer that ship by himself. That's a hard hand on the rudder. Even if you're asking Jake Muzzin to come in, there's only so much those guys can do. So what mm-hmm. was your initial reaction? Well, we'll talk about the signings first, and then your thought of what it'll do to the culture here for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think um, 
I guess grouping all the moves that Dubis did um, this this uh, off season, I guess you know ties in directly to what I think the Leafs have been lacking as a whole. You know, we have the skill, we have the speed, we have the flair, but I think one thing that the Leafs have been missing is that desperation, right? And you know, you know, the big moment of the return to play, everyone everyone points at that that fight that um, Jason Spezza had. Um, you know, when, when the team, when the team was down, I believe it was game four ahead of that, ahead of that, you know, scoring three goals in the final minute and then winning it overtime, you know, that's a drop the gloves, a player that you don't expect to do that. That's a desperate player. That's an old player who took a one-year deal to come to his hometown team and try to do, try to accomplish something, try to accomplish something that the city desperately needs. And you look at the players that the Leafs have brought on, all of these players are desperate players. We have Wayne Simmons, a, um, um, a person who brings, uh, brings a whole bunch of accountability to the squad. I've wanted Wayne Simmons on the Leafs since I was in high school. So I was literally high-pitched screaming when, one, he was linked to, <laughs> to, sign, in, uh, to sign in Toronto, and two, when it was announced. I, I like, went nuts because, yes, Wayne Simmons is not the 30-goal scorer he was when he was in Philadelphia. However, Wayne Simmons is healthy, determined, has some grit and he's desperate. Wants to win. You have Joe you know, punch a hole in your head too. <laughs> yeah, like that's oh, that's gonna be fun, right? We have Joe Thornton, Jumbo Joe Thornton, over four hundred career goals, over a thousand points. Uh, one of the one of one of if not the best playmakers to ever to have ever played the game. Come, you know, uh, could easily stay in stay in San Jose, which he's been doing. You know, after his long-term deals ended, he started getting getting up there in age, started taking one- and two-year deals to stay in San Jose. Goes to Toronto. Has never won a cup before. Could have went to any team. It's not like he, you know, not like he signed, like, for $1 million, $2 million. League minimum deal to play in the play with the Leafs. A person who is, has said multiple times, wants to win a championship. Desperation there. We have a player like Jimmy Vesey right, who hasn't had the best success since breaking into the NHL, right, signs, uh, you know, joins the NHL out of college, doesn't work on his first team, goes to Buffalo, doesn't really work there, signs a one-year deal with the Leafs again. By no means is he guaranteed a spot in this roster. The Leafs have players to play along the wing, right, even the left wing now, there are options, right, so now this is an opportunity for him to kind of rejuvenate his career a little bit. Yeah, sure, he was a college free agent, but he was still a highly touted player. There were several teams who were in on him, the Leafs included. Chose to go to one team, didn't work on the first team, didn't work on the second team. Now, third team in his young career. He's still a relatively young player with something to prove. Another desperate player, right? Troy Brody was <laughs> Dubis's guy. Yeah. That was Dubis's guy. That, the initial Kadri trade, it was going to send Kadri to Calgary, and TJ Brody was going to come the other way. Kadri nixed the deal, sent him to Colorado. We got to Tyson Berry. At the time, that sounded sick. You know, hindsight 2020, not the best move. But, no. <laughs> right? right? You're so, not lying. Yeah. But with Brody, we have something that has been missing and missing for the longest time. A legitimate partner for one Morgan Riley, who literally has not had a solid defense partner. And that is, and that is key. Right, the Leafs have a lot of a lot of defensemen on the blue line who like to go, you know, who like to jump into the play, like to be that fourth person, that fourth op- that fourth option. They don't have many people who like to stay. Troy Brody is a 
a player who stays. Zach Bogosian is a player who stays. When Zach Bogosian was initially, you know, looking at teams to sign, to sign after, after I believe, I don't know if he was bought out or if his contract got terminated. When he was a free agent. I think it was terminated, yeah. I wanted the Leafs to sign him. I, I, I want to say that was happening around the David Ayers thing, and I think it came out that Kyle Dubas didn't want to bring in another person because he wanted, you know, the players in the room to, 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 to I guess, figure, figure it out themselves. Yeah, I, they were supposed to have a meeting yeah. with uh, Zach Bogosian that yeah. Sunday after the game. And yep. instead of that, he called him that night and said, no, we can't have a meeting with you because his team basically doesn't deserve to have anybody yeah. pull them out of the Which fire. Which is absolutely so. fair, you know. Yep. Uh, when, a, when a person who was, okay, whatever, we're not, we're not going to talk about the Zamboni driver thing, right? So Bogosian <laughs> was a player that I wanted the Leafs to sign. I remember I literally had a pot of poll. Who would you rather have playing right now, Zach Bogosian or Martin Marinson? Right now, by no means am I saying Bogosian is a, is a top four stud, right? And regardless of what he did in Tampa, he played great in Tampa. He was also playing with Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman won the Norris Trophy and can make anyone look great. But what I but what Bogosian brings is maybe not as much desperation because he just won a cup, but he brings grittiness. He brings you know accountability and he brings urgency. Every time. You play, you know, anytime a team is playing the Leafs, you chip the puck into the corner, you're not afraid that anyone's going to do anything. The only person that you should be afraid of on the blue line as far as that physicality is Jake Muzzin. That's about it. So when, so when you have players like, you know, when you have Bogosian, when you have Brody, you have players who stay, who do not go, so you always so you have your spots covered. So when, you know, when the Leafs are fooling around in the offensive zone and, you know, when they're buzzing around, when Mitch Marner's doing his thing, going up and down, up and down the, up and down the, um, from the point to, to, um, to the high, to the high slot, low slot or whatever, you're going to have that security that someone's going to be back there, right? You're not yep. going to have situations where both defensemen go up and then there's an odd man rush, Dermot Hall. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that game where Dermot and Hall were paired. I'm like, there is going to be a moment where both of them are going to jump up and there's going to be a two on O. And it literally happened. I screened my TV, right? So I think what, what do you guys, can we do one little caveat on Dermot? Do you remember when Dermot broke in with the Leafs? Oh, and how we were so excited about the fact he always would put his arm up when Mm -hmm. he was going to go in or when he wanted someone to cover him or when he was making the line change, just so that way he had made an indication that, Hey, cover me. Exactly. Look here, I'm going in. Cover me, yeah. you know, and like it oh, was a Dermot great was, revolution. Revelation, yeah. right? It's like yeah. this guy understands you have to make sure someone knows you're going, mm-hmm. whether it's off the ice or in the zone. And for whatever reason, that's gone away. I don't know if yeah. it's because it's his his confidence levels down or whatever it is. But when he was doing those little things, same with Justin Hall, it's all those little things that those guys were doing that made us so excited about them. But it's all those things that are gone now that you're like, what's going on? Why is he mm-hmm. not doing those things? I had to say that because I remember when Dermot used to jump in, he'd always put his arm up and someone would jet back to cover him. And that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. But even him, even him, you can talk about him, right? You know, he resigns for a one-year deal. He's, yeah, you can argue that, you know, he, that, you know, that the team didn't have, didn't have the, the space to, to sign him for a, long, for a longer term. Also, you can argue that he still needs, he still has a lot, a lot to prove, right? So I think, I think what, what this season has, um, opposed to seasons before, is there is a lot more urgency desper- and desperation, right? Because you're not only going to have the, the usual voices. You're going to have 
grizzled old voices who are coming to this organization who want to accomplish something, who have acknowledged that they see something within you that can actually go the distance, be the next Tampa, be the next Washington, be the next Pittsburgh. So when things are going south, I guarantee the response is going to be completely different. If the Leafs have a bad period and they go into that dressing room and they come up, I guarantee that first shift is going to be a completely different team. Why? Because Wayne Simmons is going to stand for it and Jen, uh, Joe Thornton is not going to stand for it. Absolutely not. Right? Well, so I think know. there's a lot more urgency. And I think that's the, big, the biggest takeaway um, to when you're talking about all these additions. Yeah, sure. They improved, the de- they improved defense. They improved the depth. I think that's another thing too. Right, so when you have situations when Sheldon Keefe wants to go all-star mode and put Matthews, Marner, and Tavares on one line, you're not going to sewer the rest of the lineup and because they can't do anything else, like what we saw in Game 5. Right, So I think the depth was, was addressed, the defense was addressed, and I think overall urgency and desperation in, in that locker room was addressed as well. No, definitely. I mean, you look at it. I said it before. These guys here that just came in, they're going to draw that line in the sand, and they're going to drag everybody across it. Mm-hmm. and say you need to be on this side this is what you need to do to win this is what it takes this is what you need to put your body through you know what do we get excited about mitch marner when they played the boston bruins not this postseason but the postseason previous when he blocked that big shot to preserve the lead preserve mm-hmm. the game everybody went nuts but that does not happen on a consistent basis guys like hyman and muzzin were the ones constantly doing those things now you have a joe thornton that'll join that fray. Now you have a Wayne Simmons, a Zach Bogosian, Troy Brody, all of these guys will lay it on the line. And you look at a Jimmy Vesey, like you said, he's going to be a guy that wants to prove himself. So what is he going to do? He's going to go out and play like he's never played before, hopefully. Now Mm -hmm. we don't know, but hopefully that's what happens with a fire under you. Same thing with Freddie Anderson. Now Mm -hmm. I'm not really excited about the fact that this market chewed him up and kind of spit him out and now is bringing him back with open arms. You look at a guy like Kyle Dubas, and he said, oh, no, 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 we never put it out there. That was all media-driven, media-driven. When I talked to Terry Koshan, Terry said, no, it wasn't media-driven. They were looking, but they would not get what they wanted for him, so they weren't going to get rid of him for nothing, pennies Mm -hmm. on the dollar. They weren't doing that. But now you have a motivated Freddie Anderson who's going to come in, probably crush and destroy and rule this season, and probably get a contract somewhere else because, like you just talked about, flat cap and you're not going to be able to afford a Freddie Anderson at a higher price tag unless he wants to stick around. If you go win a round two, maybe three, this playoffs, and or even get all the way and win the cup, how do you not come back? How do you not sign for five mil and be the toast of the town? And every endorsement company, every sponsorship will be at your door. Statues. You can make that money. Statues. Yeah, statues. Like, literally, they will, like, engrave the faces of every person who was on that team up and down Young Street. Like, (laughs) it's – You don't have to tell me. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Never never pay for a thing in the city again. You win a Stanley Cup in Toronto – you are as well engraved in the sidewalks, in every brick, every mortar building, everything that is there. Mm-hmm. You are always going to be a part of that history. You look at guys now, like you look at a Wendell Clark, a Dougie Gilmore, et cetera, et cetera, Nick Antropov, it doesn't matter, Gary Roberts, Shane Corson, Darcy Tucker, you name them. You can go up and down the lineup. Anybody who's been a Maple Leaf, they are still signing autographs and making great money doing it mm-hmm. here in the city of Toronto. But just imagine how much higher that goes when you win the ultimate prize with the Leafs. But to go back to Freddie, if you win a couple rounds with the Leafs this year, why do you not want to come back? 
Mm-hmm. That feeling Absolutely. will be there. Like, hey, we took those steps. We got over that hurdle. We made the next hurdle. We're going somewhere. And if you look at a team like Boston on the regression, you know, you look at Tampa with their cap issues, you know, they're probably going to have to lose a Kalorn or maybe a Barclay Goodrow or a Coleman, you know, so they're not going to be as well intact as they were. You know, Toronto has an opportunity. And the next little segue we're going to do is obviously the all-Canadian division. Mm. And so many people, so many people have Toronto at the top of that. And I'll be the first. Omar, you know I'm a big Maple Leaf fan, love the boys to death. But I see them as second in that division. I see Calgary taking it. Ah, ah man, it, it's, so, it's so difficult to, to predict this just because, like, the game is, is so crazy just based on, you know, anything that can happen and just based on just years. There are, there are legitimate years where you can think a team is going to be just complete garbage and then just fight their way to a playoff spot. Like, the first team I think of is Columbus. You thought Columbus was going to be a lottery team. And they, and you know, and I think I think regardless of how the return to play went, like before the, the um, that initial pause, I want to say they were in a wild card spot, and they're battling through injuries. They lost Panarin and Bobrovsky, right? So it's it's so hard to predict, but like, I think definitely, I'll definitely say that um that the Leafs are going to be a top team. I don't know if they're going to be number one. Calgary, Calgary's a, a a pick that makes sense, man. Um, um, a number of good at good um, additions, you know, in particular goaltending, they also got embarrassed in the return to play. Like no one talks yep. about that enough. No one talks about that enough. Right. They, <laughs> they got wrecked. Right. They, they, got, they got totally wrecked. So, you know, that's a team that that most likely has a message like on, you know, in their locker room, walking into this season of do something or people are getting traded. And the first yep. name that the first thing you have to think of is Johnny Goudreau. If he doesn't do if he doesn't does if he doesn't do something significant, if the team doesn't do, do something significant, he's most likely the first one to go. He's you gotta been, walk the walk and talk to talk. Exactly. If you can't he's do been, it, you he's been the know. Western Conference's William Nylander for years. Like like he's always he's always talked about as he's always that person who's who's in that in that trade conversation is what is what I'm saying. He's always that person of oh good, Gujo's gonna get moved. Gujo's gonna get moved. So I think this is the the quote unquote last chance for a number of those names in that organization. I think um, the GM made a lot of good moves and a lot of good additions, good additions and specifically in goaltending. I think that will actually be pretty, pretty significant. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if a Calgary ends up being one. I think another team, um, and I got a lot of flack for this um, with, with a couple of friends I was talking about. Um, I think people need to watch out for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and I say this just because Carey Price is Carey Price. Yep. And regardless if you want to say it was just 10 games in a playoff, whatever, what that, what that proved is what we've always known. If you have Carey Price who is rested and healthy, there is nothing that team cannot do. Right, so we're watching Pittsburgh throw everything at at at, uh, at Price. Nothing's going, nothing's going by. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he got beat a couple times, right? And yeah, obviously Pittsburgh made some poor decisions with their goaltending choices, uh, going with Matt Murray instead of Trish, Tristan Jari. But regardless of the fact, they still put up a fight. There was never, there was rarely a game where it was like a complete blowout. Carey Price kept them in it, and I think. When you have a rested carry price, 
with um with Jake Allen. Well, I'm not saying Jake Allen is like the Dominic Hasica backups. He's still a reliable person. If you yep. have Jake Allen who can give you a legitimately like 35 starts that can keep Carey Price well rested throughout the season, you can win a game one nothing. You can win a game two one. So I'm not saying you know Montreal's gonna win the division, but I think that's a team that people need to look at. Yes, it was weird that Josh Anderson got a long-term contract when he's never played a single game um, for, for, the, for the organization. Definitely. Nick Suzuki is legit. He is legitimate. I'll right? agree with um, you. I'll agree. So I think Montreal is a team to definitely watch out for. But I have a lot of faith. In, I have a lot of faith in the Leafs this time. Not that normal faith that all these fans have, the whole it's always next year type of thing. I legitimately think the players that, we, that you and I have talked about um, I think will definitely make a difference on the ice and off the ice as far as how they're going to act and respond to adversity. I think that's going to be uh, significant for the Leafs this year. Well, listen, I agree with you 100% on the Montreal Canadiens. I've been saying it. I was on uh, Habs Unfiltered on the weekend, and we were talking about teams, and I shocked them, you know, a bunch of Habs guys, talking about how much I think the Habs have improved. The only thing I said to them was, everything with the Habs comes with an if. If. Mm. Carey Price is good if exactly. Shea Weber stays healthy, if Josh Anderson is Josh Anderson, if Brendan Gallagher elevates his play, if Suzuki and Kock and Yemi take the next steps again. You know, it's if, if, if. And, you know, that's the same for any team. But when you have a Carey Price that hasn't been the Carey Price every single season that he's used to being lately, that is a problem. That is something you're going to worry about. Mm-hmm. Shea Weber with the foot. You don't know if Father Time's going to snatch him up or let him play. And the same thing with Josh Anderson. We don't know what that injury is going to be like mentally for him. Physically, mm-hmm. he could be fine, but mentally he could be holding up in the corners or bracing for contact in a different way and yeah. not be that same ferocious kind of guy that went after the puck and was that guy that was a heavy body presence that could yeah. bring you offensive. Well, and to that powerful. point, sorry. And to that point, just to just to jump in a little bit. And another yep. thing, just jumping on the mental aspect of it. If he start, if he's having a slow start to the season and Max Domi's ripping 10 goals in 10 games in Columbus, that has that definitely media. That definitely gets you. Exactly. Montreal media, that definitely gets you. They will ask him about it. They'll ask Bergevin about it. You know, what what how does it feel that, you know, the player, the player that you know that you probably could have could have kept for another year is having offensive success. It'll definitely, definitely come up. So just to your point, definitely I think the mental aspect will definitely play into uh, how Josh Anderson plays. Oh, for sure. But I do see the Montreal Canadiens taking positive steps. Everybody chirping about the fact that they were the 24th place team, last one to get in the play-in, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. They didn't have what they went out and got this season, this offseason. You know, they shored up their D. They shored up giving Carey Price rest. They gave Tyler Toffoli a good deal. They got Josh Anderson. So they got things in their lineup to help bolster it. And they're also hoping the guys like Suzuki and Cock and Yemi can continue to grow, which they probably will. And I don't think they've ruled out the fact of bringing back Ilya Kovalchuk either, which will help your power play and was a fan kind of favorite in Montreal. I see him coming on out of a 750K kind of deal. I see him coming back to Montreal. He's not signed yet, but I see him going back there and adding another element of offense, another layer, if you will, to that team. So, yeah, you're right. You better watch out because things in the mirror appear larger than they are, and the Montreal Canadiens are right there. Um, I know Calgary, for me, they moved, made the moves. Basically, everybody made the joke that they're Vancouver the second or, you know, Calvert or whatever you want to call it, right? Because they brought over Markstrom. They brought over Tanev. 
you know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's just Vancouver scrap heap, really. But <laughs> no, they made the right moves. The goaltending was their Achilles heel. Yeah. You have a good bona fide goaltender back there, then you're solid. You're short up. And it gives the defense, it gives the forwards a little bit more confidence to be able to go and make those plays offensively without having to worry about the puck going in the net. If they make a mistake, they know they got a guy back there that can make saves. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking at it like Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, and then the rest for me really is a crapshoot because Edmonton didn't get goaltending yet again. Surprise, yep. surprise. You can have Connor McDavid all day long. We talked about Jack Eichel. Same thing. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they can't stop the puck. They can put the puck in the net, but they can't stop it in their own. So, you know, if you're losing 6-5 every night, what's the point? Yep. Um, I look at Ottawa. I look at Ottawa. I'm happy they got Matt Murray. If they can get him to come back and refine his game, they might have something there. And the young players they have, they're going to bring them along. I hope they sign. I don't know if they have already. I don't think I've seen anything about Anthony Duclair, but I do hope he goes back there. But, um, yeah, I I see one, two, three. Those are the three that I have. And, you know, everybody else can say, well, Vancouver's still there. Well, yeah, they lost their starting goaltender. Thatcher yeah, Demko's not a for sure thing. Braden Holpe's not a for sure thing. You know, so we'll see. But, man, I can't wait to actually watch hockey instead of just talking about it, actually get to talk mm-hmm. about what's going on on the ice. And as long as it's felt that we haven't talked, it feels that much longer that we've had regular season and meaningful hockey. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's It's been way, way, way too long. It's just like I, I can't wait for that first, at least I don't know, for me personally, I can't wait to make that first gift of like just like an Austin Matthews, just like bullet from like the left circle or something like that. I, I just, I, I need it. I need it back. Yeah, like what oh, I was man. saying earlier, like I'm literally, I've never been so excited for the World Juniors. Hey, man. It'll, it'll be practice gifting for you, right? You can practice <laughs> gifting all the, the Team Canada stuff. And yeah, it's all amped up for that. Um, I want to ask you one last question before we jump off here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Robertson obviously, um, you know, added to the World Juniors for Team USA. You look at that and you think, okay, this is a player that we want to take steps for the Maple Leafs. There may not be space for him. Um, with all the players we signed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what are you expecting out of a Nick Robertson? And we won't talk about Amirov or anything like that. Just just Robertson because we've seen him in the Leafs lineup. We know what he can bring. We know he cracked the playoff bubble, so he scored there. What do you see him doing at the World Juniors? I mean, I just see I see Robertson kind of uh, picking up from where he left off the last World Juniors. Like, you know, he was one of the standouts on on um, on American team um, in the last year. And I think – He'll take a lot of that experience that he that he learned in those uh, playoff games, and it, um, after them bringing up, bringing on, and hopefully dominate. I think the one of the things that I like the most about Robertson's game um, with the Leafs, you know, aside from the goal, was I like that even though he was knocked down and he was knocked down a lot, right? He kept he just jumped right back up, like he didn't phase him. Right, you know, he continued. He continued to go to go goal on the boards. Continued to go into the corners. Continued to take shots, even though the goalies, even though the goalies were uh, were saving them. I, I believe there was one power play, um, one power play opportunity on the second unit. He took like four shots in a row, even though the goalie kept saving him. He's like, no, nope, keep keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. So he's a really determined, determined player, and you see that on, on based off his off ice, off ice routine and all the stories you hear about about how dedicated he is and how he considers this a job as it is, right? So I think actually seeing that and now, now that he's has experience against that higher level, I think what I expect to see and what all of these fans should expect to see is just a dominant Nick Robertson and a determined Nick Robertson because even though training camp hasn't started yet, 
I think in Nick Robertson's Nick Robertson's eyes, training camp starts at that first game at the World Juniors because the Leafs will definitely be watching. To your point, you know, there's not there's not open spaces like like there like there was last season. There are a lot of players who can fill in that on in that um third third line left wing or just anywhere on the fourth line. There are a lot of players who can fill that spot in. So there, there's by no means is Robertson guaranteed to play. You know, even though the OHL they have their rules however they're however they're playing they can easily send him down there he can easily play i, I want to say there's i think the start date for the ohl sometime sometime in february they can use february the fourth yeah yeah something like that so he can come to camp and then they can just send him down to the ohl right it's easily uh, obviously the hockey might be different based on how they're playing it but they can easily send him down so i think what we'll see from Robertson is just domination. We're going to see a more competitive player, someone who's fighting, maybe someone who's getting, who's getting more, um, getting more physical, taking more shots, taking more opportunities, but it's also being more aware. And uh, I guess keeping up the pace and pushing the pace along his line. I think Robertson has that potential. And I think we're going to see that from him at the world juniors. Yeah. I'm looking to, to have the pace to keep the legs moving. I want to see the, the high end skill that he has on display as well. I want to see those silky smooth hands. I want to be watching with the puck on his stick. I want to see the moves he makes. The confidence is there. You know, everybody was talking about the fact, you know, that it wasn't there at times when he was up at the Leafs in the playoffs. And I mean, you're taking a big jump. You're going from the OHL and not playing to going into the NHL in a pressure cooker, trying to get your team to the next level of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're in there for your first opportunity, your first cracks at this team you know, in real live play that's not an exhibition, which I don't even think he got any exhibition games under Babcock. So yeah. this was really <laughs> his first sniff at all, you know. That yeah. tells you a whole bunch about Babcock. We can go into that another day. But yep. you look at this, I look at Nick Robertson and say, this is where he shows himself and says, hey, I can be that cheap option for three years or two years to fill in, you know, down in the bottom six while this cap is stagnant. You know, throw me in. Let me show you what I got. I can be the high-end player. And you know what? You never know. If you have to move somebody with a bigger ticket and Nick Robertson's flying and scoring you 50, 60 points, you know, or more after he gets in the lineup and is comfortable, then you don't feel so bad about it. But I'm looking forward to the World Juniors, Omar. I'm looking forward to seeing your gifts, and I'm looking forward to the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs getting on the damn ice. It's been so much talk. You have to try to dig for topics now and figure things out. But, my friend, mm-hmm. I'm very happy to have you on, have you back on offside. Can't wait to get you on again when the season's actually rolling. Let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the gifts, and where they can find you in the Among Us world as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as uh, Twitter goes, uh, I'm still, still at the same hand, handle at Tic Tac Tomar. Um, not, again, not much uh, gifting uh, right now, so pretty much I just make sarcastic tweets about the Leafs and um, – and random anime references to things. As uh, far as the Among Us goes, yeah, I kind of dabbled in the whole in the whole streaming thing. Yeah, it's been fun so far. So I've been playing with like uh, you know Mikey Stevens, Ian Tullock, uh, James Myrtle, uh, Pete Blackburn a little bit, Steve Dangle as well. Um, so uh, if you want to check those out, um, you can follow my Twitch at uh, Twitch.tv/TicTacTomar. Um, I don't really have a schedule <laughs> just because I just do it randomly just for, just for charity. I kind of do it whenever. Um, so you can check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we get some positive news about hockey because um, I'm just sitting on my hands just waiting for, waiting for something to come up. Oh man. Like I said, I don't think it'll be until at least the middle of January, but just give us something. Just draw your lines in the sand, say we'll meet here, shake hands, kiss and make up, give each other hugs, I guess, social distance hugs 
and get over it and get on the ice because that's what needs to happen. We all know there's common ground to be had. Just get to the common ground and mm -hmm. drop the damn puck, like you said. Yeah. All right, Omar. Well, I want to thank you very much again for joining us here on Offside Hockey Talk. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. Hockey.